This is Own Your Retirement with Albert Lalonde from Kaizen Financial Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Albert Lalonde provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Own Your Retirement with Albert Lalonde. Hello, and welcome back to Own Your Retirement. My name is Albert Lalonde from Kaizen Financial Group. If you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, give us a call at 586-752-7008 or visit us online at www.kaizenfinancialgroup.com. That's K-A-I-Z-E-N financialgroup.com. And while at my website, click on the podcast page to check out past shows and to subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Now, President Joe Biden's recent signing of the Inflation Reduction Act has drawn significant coverage in both general and financial news sectors. Now, while the bill's name is fairly straightforward, as with most uh, pieces of large legislation, the details are anything but. You see, the Inflation Reduction Act includes cash incentives for uh, purchasing electric vehicles, tax breaks to accelerate the country's move to renewable energy sources, and a potential reduction in health care costs for many Americans by allowing Medicare to directly negotiate prices with drug manufacturers. But that's just the tip of the legislative iceberg. On today's show, we're going to peel the Inflation Reduction Act apart in a way that hopefully provides a deeper understanding of what this massive piece of legislation could mean for you, your wallet, and your financial strategy. But before we explore that subject any further, let me introduce my co-host, Tony Shore, who doesn't need any legislation to prove his value. Hey, Tony, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> wow, what a compliment, Albert. I mean, come on. Of course. That's awesome. I, I like that one. Um, but yeah, yeah, legislation. Good luck getting that through, right? Legislation <laughs> to prove my worth. <laughs> it's hard enough to get anything passed way, these days, buddy. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I've had a great week. How about you, Albert? What have you been up to? Fantastic week. Busy weekend, running around concerts, football games, things like that. You know it's fall coming. Oh, so, uh, you, and you know I love the fall. We were talking about football yes. before the before the show started, and, uh, you know, it's fun. You get to talk about what's going on with the NFL teams and, mm-hmm. yeah, how my Vikings uh, didn't do well this weekend but will do much better. In fact, they're going all the way. We talked about that. <laughs> You're calling it, buddy. Vikings. <laughs> no, actually, the only it. the only team I'm real that really looks like they could go all the way right now in the NFL are the Bills. So, yes, yes, definitely. They, are. Like, they look. They really look sharp. unstoppable. But Josh Allen, wow. Um, right. But you know, this is an important topic uh, we've got today, right? I mean, mm-hmm. ob- obviously, this is a concern for a, a lot of people. The um, inflation. And it's affected so many people, but also government spending is causing it. So (laughs) the government passing an Inflation Reduction Act uh, scares me a little bit, Albert. Uh, Should I be scared? (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, 
there's some good things in there as well as some things that have some concerns in that. But, uh, you know, a Time article, uh, what you need to know about the Inflation Reduction Act, actually has some excellent information for us. So first, we should note this certainly wasn't a piece of uh, bipartisan legislation. Uh, the bill passed the Senate on a 51 to 50 vote on August 7th of this year with Vice President Kamala Harris casting the deciding uh, uh, tie-breaking so right vote. down party lines. Yep. Wow. It then squeaked through the House in a 220 to 207 vote on August 12th. So President Biden then signed the legislation into law. Now, many of you will likely recall news stories several months ago regarding Biden's proposed Build Back Better legislation, mm -hmm. which was essentially a much larger proposal that included many of the elements from the Inflation Reduction Act. But after rounds of negotiations, it was clear Build Back Better wasn't going to make it through Congress, and thus the Scaled Down Inflation Reduction Act was born. Okay, so from what I've heard and read, the legislation has a focus on climate change. What can you tell us about that? Well, I think it's fair to say that climate change is one of the bill's top priorities. In fact, it invests more than $360 billion in energy and climate change programs over the course of the next decade. That includes significant incentives for those looking to purchase electric vehicles. In hand with that, it supplies tax breaks designed to increase the pace of the United States shift to renewable energy. So does the bill say how much carbon emissions could be <laughs> slashed by all this? Well, you know, those who support the bill claim it may reduce carbon emissions by almost 40% by the year 2030, which is about 10% less than Biden was hoping for in his Build Back Better legislation. However, goals and reality are two different things, so only time will tell us if that 40% number is accurate. Now, additionally, the legislation supplies $60 billion to cities that are expected to be disproportionately affected by climate change. So many more millions will be supplied to Native American communities for, quote, climate resiliency funding. Interesting. Huh. I didn't know there was a Native American <laughs> aspect to it. But uh, as far as the $60 billion for cities that are expected to be affected by climate change... Uh, I would say it's probably uh, split between Florida and Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, most of that money, I assume, will go to Florida, and New Orleans, and uh, and Southern Cal because uh, <laughs> if what the what they say is going to happen, uh, Florida will be underwater. So here's the million mm -hmm. dollar question, um, or I guess in this situation, the multi billion dollar question. How, how are they planning on paying for all of this, Albert? Oh, great question. Um, in fact, the aim is actually for the bill's cost to be covered, at least in part, by a new 15% minimum tax rate that will apply to corporations with profits of $1 billion or more. And then the bill would also require companies to pay a 1% tax when they buy back their own stock while also greatly enhancing the IRS's tax evasion enforcement. Mm. Yeah, that money, that last one, uh, money for IRS tax evasion mm -hmm. enforcement, uh, that's drawn some of the, the most criticism of the bill from what I've heard. I mean, some arguing it could lead to arm IRS agents knocking on doors to, <laughs> Albert, open up, open up. Right, right. right. Uh, but what's the reality here? 
Well, you know, according to uh, Kiplinger's article, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act in Taxes, what you should know, uh, the legislation will funnel an additional $80 billion to the IRS during the next decade. However, to date, it's not clear how that money will be spent, though it's anticipated the IRS will use around $45 billion to improve its tax enforcement. Well, that may mean increasing staffing levels and bringing badly, let's say, outdated processing systems up to date. In fact, to that very point, $5 billion in specifically earmarked for technology. And then finally, an additional $25 billion of that $80 billion figure is slated for enhancing the IRS's overall operations. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And uh, obviously, uh, this is a a concern, you know, what money's being spent and uh, where it comes from. But so the legislation is called the Inflation Reduction Act, which I have to admit is attention grabbing. I mean, given that we're currently in the midst of inflation rates uh, that we haven't seen in decades, it seems like targeting inflation is the right move. But uh, is this legislation actually going to do anything to cool inflation? Well, according to the Congressional Budget Office, it's an independent agency that supplies a uh, nonpartisan budget and economic information to Congress. Uh, the bill's impact on inflation is likely to be, in their words, obviously, uh, ne- negligible. Yeah. Uh, so. At the same time, however, the Congressional Budget Office is predicting legislation or the legislation will reduce the federal deficit actually by as much as $102 billion during the next nine years. Okay, interesting. Well, and no matter what side of the aisle uh, it's on, uh, when they pass these bills, the name is always usually ironic. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, the Save Social Security Act, which ends up cutting Social Security, you know, things like that. <laughs> You know, that's right. that's what Congress is great at, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yes. I mean, uh, I think they have. Now, what would be the most ironic title we could give this bill? Yeah, that's what they're looking for is irony. Yeah. for some reason. And that's uh, Inflation Reduction <laughs> Act. But yeah, how that's going to reduce it? Well, yeah, <laughs> at least in their mind, they think it will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's true. So. Um, so now, why don't. Uh, you let our listeners know right here how they can get a hold of you if they have any questions for their own financial plans to weather the inflation storm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, folks, you can visit my website at www.kaizenfinancialgroup.com or you can call my office at 586-752-7008 and discuss how we might be able to answer your questions and address your concerns about your retirement income. All right. And you've been talking about some of these major things the legislation will fund and how the price tags being covered with the Inflation Reduction Act and, of course, how much it will actually reduce inflation. What do you have for us next? Well, you know, at the top of the show, we noted that the bill now allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices directly with manufacturers. And and I think we should spend more time on that very important subject. Uh, in fact, an AARP article, Landmark Bill to Cut Prescription Drug Prices Signed Into Law, um, actually has the key details. Uh, in addition to allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices for the first time, the legislation puts a $2,000 yearly cap on how much Part D prescription drug plan enrollees will have to pay out of pocket for medications and levies tax penalties on drug manufacturers, 
that increased their prices beyond the rate of inflation. Now, Medicare-provided insulin is also capped at $35 a month and also ends out-of-pocket expenses for many vaccines under Medicare. Now, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office thinks Medicare may save hundreds of billions of dollars over the next decade thanks to its ability to now negotiate the prices of some prescription drugs as well as potential tax rebates to encourage drug companies to keep prices at or below the inflation rate. Right. Yeah, and that's that's huge. Uh, obviously, I think that's really important. So, um, I believe I heard a news report, in fact, indicating that the Inflation Reduction Act is also connected to last year's "quote unquote" American Rescue Plan. Is that right? Uh, that's actually right, Tony. Uh, the newly signed legislation actually provides a three-year extension to the expanded subsidies and other financial enhancements that were first included in last year's American Rescue Plan uh, that were designed to basically uh, reduce the expenses of health insurance plans available in the Affordable uh, Care Act marketplace. Now, according to the AARP, those subsidies have been especially critical for people between the ages of 50 and 64 who sometimes pay up to three times more for health insurance oh wow now let's next take a a closer look though at what the inflation reduction act means for medicare part d you know again for the first time out-of-pocket expenses for medicare part d prescriptions will be capped and for older americans that's a really big deal you know beginning in 2025 part d enrollees won't have to pay more than two thousand dollars a year for their share of part d prices and in beginning in january 2023 most vaccines will be free through medicare at least according to the article yeah well and you know as we've talked about a lot of times uh, medicare part d is a huge piece of any financial Mm -hmm. strategy for americans as they get older so Anything that makes it cost less or, you know, more manageable is certainly welcome news, isn't it? Oh, I completely agree, Tony. And uh, as for Part D, listeners should also be aware that its premiums can't go up more than 6% a year through at least 2029. Additionally, the income ceiling for beneficiaries to qualify for a subsidy to help cover Part D out-of-pocket expenses actually has risen from 135% of the federal poverty level to 150% of the federal poverty level. That's an increase from $18,347 for an individual in 2022 to $20,385 for an individual now. Yeah, that's good. Well, you've mentioned the fact that Medicare will now be able to negotiate drug prices, at least for certain drugs, directly with manufacturers. And that's a major policy shift and sounds like a good thing. But tell us a little bit more about what it really means. Well, to start, the legislation allows the Health and Human Services Secretary to start negotiating prices for 10 high-cost prescription drugs in 2023. And those negotiated prices will be put into place in 2026 for Part D and in 2028 for medications covered by Medicare Part B. Now, from there, the number of drugs Medicare is allowed to directly negotiate will increase. By 2029, 60 drugs will be part of a negotiation process. Right. And with this one, I think a lot of people are wondering what happens if the drug manufacturers aren't willing to negotiate in good faith. 
Oh, yeah. Well, you know, according to the terms of the law, if a drug manufacturer walks away from the negotiating table, the federally government or the federal government should say could hit them with a tax of as much as 95% of their sales from the previous year. Now, clearly, that's a potential hammer device to uh, provide drug manufacturers with a clear incentive to continue negotiating until <laughs> a mutually agreeable price is determined. Yeah. Again, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office estimates the negotiating provision alone could save Medicare almost $102 billion during the next 10 years. Now, to me, that's just such a stunning figure. Yeah. See, they should have done that a lot sooner. And uh, mm -hmm. that's one of the better aspects of this whole thing is, is that change to Medicare right there, in my opinion. Uh, what about the suggestion that allows some drug prices to be negotiated uh, people are saying that may lead to less pharmaceutical innovation. Is, the, is hmm. there anything to that? Well, you know, the Congressional Budget Office analyzed that very concern, and it found that of the 1,300 new medications expected to be approved during the next 30 years, a mere 15 wouldn't hit the market because of the new law. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I was reading articles in the days after the legislation was signed, and I was really intrigued by the inflation rebate. Mm -hmm. It definitely jumped out um, at me as well, Tony. Uh, in fact, beginning this October, if the price of a Part D prescription goes up more than the general inflation rate, the manufacturer must rebate to Medicare the total of the increase. Now, those rebates will begin in January 2023. The article also explains that drugs that increase in price above inflation are often infusions that occur in a medical facility. Wow. Okay. That sounds good. Now, you've been sharing all this information with us about this Inflation Reduction Act and what it may mean for uh, especially a lot of older Americans when it comes to things like Medicare and the cost of prescription drugs. What do you have for us next? You know, let's continue our conversation right now about the Inflation Reduction Act, but shift maybe our focus to some of its potential tax implications. Um, a Kiplinger article, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and Taxes, What You Should Know, actually nicely addresses this topic. Uh, the article first touches on small business and middle class income taxes. First and foremost, the Inflation Reduction Act isn't expected to increase taxes on either small business businesses or for families who make $400,000 or less. Of course, whether that theory would be maintained uh, moving forward would depend on what happens when the law's impact begins to be felt. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that information is a relief for small business owners and many families. But given what you just told us, could you remind us of how things in the legislation are actually going to be funded? <laughs> Good idea. Um, let's quickly recap some info we shared in the first segment. The legislation dictates that some uh, corporations pay more tax than they currently are. Here's an example for you. A large business with, let's say, more than $1 billion in income will now pay a minimum corporate tax rate of 15%. Currently, as Kiplinger explains, some extremely large companies like Amazon and Nike pay very little in federal income taxes. And again, the legislation also includes a 1% excise tax on corporate stock buybacks. Okay, we chatted a little bit about the various clean energy elements that are in the legislation to help deal with global warming, but does Kiplinger go into a little more detail about that? 
Uh, it actually does, Tony. Uh, the legislation includes a 10-year extension of the homeowner credit for solar projects like rooftop panels. That credit may also potentially benefit those who purchase energy-efficient water heaters, heat pumps, and HVAC uh, systems. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act also creates a $1 billion incentive program for energy-efficient, affordable housing. Okay, so... Uh, you know, obviously, that's really important. Uh, housing is important to everybody, and I'm sure that uh, a lot of people that will help. And uh, I think that's good, obviously. What's available, though, to homeowners with this credit? Well, you know, with this one, homeowners can claim a 30% credit through 2032 for the purchase of qualifying systems that use solar wind, geothermal, uh, biomass, or even fuel cell power to produce electricity, heat water, or even to regulate your home's temperature. The credit falls to 26% in 2033 and 22% in 2034, its final available year. Now, the legislation also includes the res, uh, as I say the re residential clean energy credit. This credit was originally called the residential energy efficient property credit and was scheduled to sunset in 2024. However, in addition to a new name, the credit now extends all the way through 2034. And then beginning in 2023, the credit also applies to battery storage technology that well, has a capacity of at least three kilowatt hours oh wow that's interesting so mm -hmm. in addition to nudging people toward green energy for their homes and businesses the government is also providing some incentives for electric vehicles what's the scoop on that one because mm. electric vehicles seem to be becoming more and more popular right they are. They are. In fact, if, if you're eyeing a set of electric wheels, well, you'll likely find much to like in this legislation. For starters, tax credits for buying a new or used electric, electric vehicle that were already on the books have been extended um, an additional 10 years. Those credits apply to what are referred to simply as clean vehicles and now include hydrogen fuel cell cars. Okay. So are there income limits for those credits? Ah, yes, there are. The legislation's limits are based on the MSRP of the vehicle. Basically, those limits prevent the purchase of high-priced luxury electric automobiles. Interestingly, the law also eliminates the 200,000 uh, car limit for claiming the credit. This means manufacturers like GM, Toyota, and Tesla are now eligible. Now, you should also note that beginning 2024, you can take the clean vehicle tax credit as a discount at the time you make your purchase. So essentially, you'd be transferring the credit to the dealer who would then reduce the vehicle's price by the value of the tax credit. Wow. The, right. But the, the upside for consumers is they wouldn't have to wait until tax season yeah. to see the benefit from the tax incentive. Yeah. Well, as with everything, the, the government promises, uh, I'll wait and see. But that sounds, if it works <laughs> and is it real, that, that sounds great. Obviously, legislation as large as this uh, has so much information. And there's so many details, like everything. Uh, you know, we'd need a four-hour show to go through all of it or more uh, just to read through all of it. It seems to me that it behooves our listeners out there to reach out to somebody like yourself, Albert, a financial services professional and get an opinion about what pieces of the bill may affect them and their financial strategies. And I know you're more than happy to talk to our listeners about that. 
Definitely. Um, in fact, I couldn't agree with you more on that one, Tony. Uh, certainly, some of the bill's focus on both Medicare and prescription drugs is going to have an impact on retirees and those folks who are getting close to retirement. Um, it's possible some of the changes may be significant enough that you and your financial services professional may want to make some adjustments to your broader financial strategy. If you, you should also bear in mind that while some of the bill's details may not affect your personal tax bill, it's possible that some of the extended tax credits we address will save you a few bucks when it's time to do your taxes. Ah, yes. Uh, you want to save on your taxes. And this has been a good topic today. We're out of time. Is there anything else you want to add, Albert? Yeah. If you have questions or concerns about uh, what the Inflation Reduction Act may mean uh, for your financial strategy, I would uh, please visit my website, www.kaizenfinancialgroup.com, or call my office at 586-752-7008. And uh, you know what? Discuss how we can answer your questions. You know, it is our goal to help you prepare for the retirement you've worked so hard for, guys. All right. Thanks, Albert. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Own Your Retirement with our host, Albert Lalonde. Thank you for listening to Own Your Retirement. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Albert Lalonde at Kaizen Financial Group. Call 586-752-7008 or visit them online at kaizenfinancialgroup.com. Advisory services offered through Kaizen Wealth Management LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Michigan. Insurance products and services are offered through Kaizen Financial Group LLC, an affiliated company. Albert Lalonde and Kaizen Financial Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.